Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 420. And we are recording live on Tuesday morning, uh, June the 25th. Yes, the month is almost gone, but summer is here. It's getting hot up here in Toronto. And how's things in Atlanta, Abriana? They are good. It's a little gloomy here uh, the past couple days, overcast. But I feel like we've had some, you know, three months in Atlanta. So the first day of summer is just not as exciting as it is some other places. But I was in Philadelphia this weekend, and the weather was beautiful, and it was like, nice during the day but not too hot so I think that like the northeast is maybe getting more of that summer vibes going on but uh yeah things are good here. How are things in Toronto things are good like I think we're we're in the uh the come down from the uh the Raptors championship victory you know the uh had to bring that up yeah the, <laughs> the city's the city's starting to relax and kind of settle into like the, now the nice weather's here patios you know are busy uh all that so it's good it's good it's um you know i got nothing to complain about and <laughs> kids are uh, uh well one's already done school the other one's got like two days left so um yeah and then it's uh, it's vacation time so all good okay. yeah i know all right so we've got a good show we've got uh three industry news stories three member news stories for you this week um a whole wide range of stuff and uh Probably one of the biggest stories uh, we're kicking it off with, and I'll let you do that, Abriana. Yeah, so um, if you have not been paying attention to the news, Facebook has um, announced their own cryptocurrency. It's called Libra. Um, there, there are a few nuances about this, and I this is like a longer story for me. I mean, once I dove into this, there's like a lot of factors that are going on here. Um, I mean, at first, the idea of cryptocurrency with Facebook was kind of annoying to me, and, and I felt like it's just such a trend, and maybe they should be more focused on, like, their live streaming TV and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Facebook watch and, and all of that, which I still firmly believe, but um, there are some interesting things about this. So, obviously, they wanted to let people buy things or send money to people with nearly zero fees. I mean, that's kind of the premise of their cryptocurrency. So they can cash out Libra online or at local exchange points like grocery stores um, using third-party wallet apps or Facebook's Calibra, not to be confused with Libra, um, their Calibra wallet, which is built into WhatsApp, Messenger, and obviously Facebook app. Um, what's the, the very interesting thing about this to me is that Facebook will not fully control Libra. So, uh, they will have a vote alongside of other founding members like, um, Visa, Uber, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, and they have all invested at least $10 million in the project. Um, so Libra association is like this conglomerate of all of these different, uh, there's blockchain providers from a technology perspective. There's obviously, um, consumer apps like Facebook, Spotify, Uber, Lyft. Um, and then you've got more of like the visa MasterCard plays as well. So there's a whole, I mean, check it out. You can see who all's on there right now and it's open, um, for people to join. You have $10 million jump in and only a third like more technology or blockchain providers um, and there's obviously 
if you want to join like billion dollar in assets and all those things, but hey, I mean, who doesn't have that? Um, so the associate is going to promote this open source Libra blockchain and its own programming language, which is called Move. Um, so developers will be able to come in and write different scripts, write different apps that will be able to bring in uh, the Libra blockchain or obviously um, utilize that programming language move. And they'll sign up businesses to accept the Libra payment and then give customers discounts and rewards. Um, so the the Facebook subsidiary Calibra now this is my kind of hang up. Supposedly would be protecting Facebook users um, mingling the payments with the Facebook data that's available uh, for ad targeting. So they're saying that these payments and the information and data will all be um, private. It will operate with all of your other data that's available. So your real identity is not going to be tied to transactions. Um, and so that's interesting to me. A business perspective, what makes sense with this type of uh, a play is that Facebook and all of the other members of the Libra Association will actually be able to make money in, in the interest on the money that's kept in the reserve. So that's where the money is in this whole thing. You know, you think about like uh, Cash App or Venmo or anything like that, but you know, people don't cash out their, their money right away. So that money while it's sitting there is kept in their reserve. And while it's there, it's earning interest. And you know, for normal, you know, size bank accounts, that interest is pretty minimal. But when you have billions that are sitting in reserve, that interest can grow um, incrementally and fast and obviously earn a lot of money for whoever owns that. So, you know, what's also interesting from a Facebook perspective is that they're going to be able to learn what people buy. Um, and then that could directly affect maybe the pricing and their advertising business. So they, if they know what people buy, then they could allow that to drive up the price of advertising for those goods and services that are, you know, that are advertised on Facebook. Um, so, I mean, from a, Pure numbers play, this totally makes sense. I mean, Facebook has 7 million advertisers, 90 million small businesses, um, and they have one point, what they state is from banks around the world. That is a huge number. So being able to take those people and bring them into some type of a digital transaction and help them, uh, whether it's sending money at overseas at a much lower rate. All I could think of when I read this was like, goodbye, Western Union. I mean, that is like, Everybody uses Western Union to send money, not cheap. So something like this makes so much sense for those those people who are sending money that way um, and be able to do it via WhatsApp, I think makes a lot of sense as well because when you think about, I mean, I would say like I'm not, I'm not stereotyping, but WhatsApp has a huge population in Latin America. And when you think of people who are in the States or maybe in Canada that send money home to their loved ones, a lot of them are using Western Union. So this makes sense. I mean, their demographic is there, their psychographic is there. Those people that would need to be sending money are already on the platform and allowing them to do that at a fraction of the cost, I think is really interesting. Um, and then the final thing that I, you know, going back to the whole Libra Association and not being solely controlled by Facebook is that each group or uh, participant in the association is only getting one vote or 1%, whichever is larger, um, for the voting rights. So nobody is going to be able to, you know, make decisions solely for their own gain. It'll have to be something that's a group effort that they all, you know, sort of 
agree to in some way, shape or form. The majority agrees to now, obviously, you know, what makes sense for the majority of those associations would probably be the uh, members would probably be the same thing. So I don't know. I mean, there's some checks and balances after reading more details about it. I think it does make sense. They already have the platform. Um, you know, to me, blockchain is just not super exciting, but from a business perspective, it's pretty smart. Yeah. So, um, I, I think you said it all, but, but here's, here's a couple thoughts, uh, I'll add to that. I, I think, you know, if I contrast this, uh, especially what you just said about WhatsApp to what we've seen in the growth of Alipay, uh, you know, in Asia, uh, and that being sort of becoming a standard in, in a lot of respects for moving money around, um, you know, merchants accepting it everywhere, increasingly so in North America as well. Um, and then, you know, you, you know, sort of on a peer to peer basis, being able to, to move money from one person to another, uh, it's become a massive platform for that. And I think this idea of, uh, removing the uh, the processing fee out of the equation by you know using a cryptocurrency to do that I think has a lot of merit um, I think the challenge here is is that um, you know anytime you're introducing a new a new platform it's got to be seamless it's got to be easy for people uh, to do there can't be a lot of you know sort of sign up uh, you know hurdles and things like that um, that can slow down adoption, and I, and I think the other part of it for me is is the is the data side of this, right? So I think, um, you know, the the money is one piece, but the the ad targeting, the data in terms of who's doing this, where they're doing this from a geo perspective, uh, what businesses uh, are nearby that can take advantage of this in terms of ad targeting, uh, all of that I think is is really really interesting, right? Because from the LBMA's point of view, I would say that. You know, if I, if we look at our you know kind of three layer cake model that we've talked about a lot over the years, that sort of uh, between the middle of influencing the purchase decision and at the top, which is the the tra actual transaction, um, we haven't seen a lot of good integration between those two layers. And I think things like this are one way to solve that. Like we, I've been talking a lot lately about you know sort of. Uh, how think how Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, all those types of sort of mobile wallets can act as a great way to sort of bridge the gap between those two layers at, at the transaction layer and the data that you have about people and purchase history and uh, frequency and all that sort of stuff and the actual ability to influence them with something that that, that they're interested in. Um, and I think Facebook with this kind of sits right there as well in the middle of that and 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 does that obviously in this case without the, the fee structure and and you know it's hard for me to judge the uh, the association aspect of this i think it's you know the the neutrality they're going for i i think is you know has merit and and we'll, we'll see whether that actually plays out or you know whether this is really about you know uh sharing data across mm -hmm. the partner network that's true. I think um, they did mention that they wanted to create a more seamless um, UX than even PayPal. So, you know, I like that. I don't think PayPal's UX is perfect. I think they've improved it over time, um, especially when they've come up now against like Venmo and Cash App and things like that, that sort of have some level of access to their users a little bit mm -hmm. um, in terms of like peer to peer sending money. The, the other concern I was thinking about with um, with Facebook and the massive reach they have is um, 
I mean, this is a complete side note, but you know, what are the implications from a, um, from, from the types of transactions that are taking place with this type of currency? So for example, um, I sit on a, uh, I volunteer on a board for, um, a human trafficking, um, and human slavery, uh, group that is focused on freeing any type of slavery, uh, slaves around the world. And so, you know, I, I sit on the board for the technology aspect of what we can do to, you know, empower those groups and help them kind of like find the bad guys and, and, you know, connect the local governments and authorities with those bad people. So a lot of the transactions and a lot of the, um, I guess the sales process is actually happening via social media. And a lot of that is on Facebook. So now is this like empowering those types of transactions some level and what are the, what are they going to be doing to sort of battle that? Because when it's completely private and anonymous, you know, you can't really, you can't go after that, you know, it's, it's really complicated. So like, what is the line between privacy and what is the line between, you know, saving children's lives or, you know, mm -hmm. just like the, the basic concept of freedom, right? I mean, that's what Facebook is really supposed to be empowering is connectivity and freedom, you know, to stay connected. Um, so that's my other concern is like, how are they going to be able to monitor that? And, you know, at scale, because they have a lot of that going on. <laughs> they do. Anyhow, uh, something to watch for sure. So check out the, uh, the Libra currency on Facebook. Okay, moving on to our second story now. Uh, L.L. Bean, the, uh, the uh, you know, uh, clothing retailer, or whatever, I don't know how you want to classify them, but anyhow, outdoors, um, yeah, adventure, clothing, I don't know, something like that. Uh, anyhow, they've partnered with Uber for an initiative they called Backyard Campsite. So this is an initiative running uh, over the summer. Uh, it's part of a, a bigger campaign they've, they've got called S'more Out of Summer. Um, <laughs> as in get, get, more out of, get more out of summer. Um, and uh, so what this is, is they're teaming up with Uber in major cities uh, and offering free on-demand rides to what are known as LL Bean Backyard Campsites. These are pop-up destinations uh, that uh, are, are running in places like New York's The Battery. Uh, they're gonna have one in Buffalo in Madison, Wisconsin, in Boston. These are running throughout June and July and other cities as well um, that they'll be announcing on their website. But the idea is, 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 you know, it's summer, the weather's great. They wanna get people kind of outdoors and, you know, just experiencing, you know, you know, not being in an office or not being at home or, you know, not being in school, just getting outside uh, and discovering, um, you know, national parks and things like that. So, um, so basically free campsite events, um, you, um, there's, uh, you know, uh, s'more roasting yard games, there's audio experiences provided by uh, the national parks foundation has something called park tracks, which is music that is, is kind of recorded or themed around the different national parks. Um, and, uh, so that's sort of location based in that sense too. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it's really neat. Um, the other thing I really like about it is there's a contest around this as well uh, to, to try and drive engagement. Uh, so you can enter a contest to win 
the ultimate backyard campout, which includes tent, sleeping bags, fire pit, camping attire, and um, and LLV and people to come and set it all up for you. Um, and basically, if you want to participate, you you uh, take a photo uh, of you and your loved ones and pets, all that sort of stuff, um, and you can basically post it to uh, Facebook. Uh, Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag s'more out of summer and uh, and hashtag LLB bean contest 19 and that's it so uh, you know there's a hundred days of summer and they want you to make the most of it <laughs> I like this campaign I think it's really fun I love the idea of bringing like city folks to nature um, and obviously a little outdoorsy um, but I like that they're saying like hey how can we kind of find our people in these big cities and I think this is a great way to do that it's fun I feel like it does have a purpose um, I like that they're integrating the social aspect with it um, but yeah I mean this is something I would totally do I'm all about you know some good outdoor fun and camping and <laughs> I grew up doing that stuff so I like this I think this is really fun and um, I think this is like more of what brands should be doing. And I like this partnership. It's really unexpected and um, it's, it's good. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I, it's so good to get connected outdoors. Like we, we do in the summers, we typically go camping a couple times every summer. Um, and I love it. It's uh, the kids love it. You know, just being outside, cooking outside, um, you know, the, uh, the elements, you know, dealing with, I remember the first time we went uh, as a family, if you like, I don't know, some years back now, um, you know, we ended up like in the middle of like a massive torrential storm and like woke up with like, you know, our tents like full of water and like just the whole thing. Right. But it's part of it. It's what you remember that. Right. Like, and, yeah. and, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's great. So anyhow, get out there, enjoy the outdoors and check out the LL Bean, uh, s'more out of summer contest. There you go. There you go. All right, so our next story is about Carrefour, which um, I could be butchering that name, but the oh, French, yeah. I got it, I thought so, okay. <laughs> uh, the French supermarket, and they are launching and kind of testing and playing with facial recognition as a form of payments. So, um, you know, they're looking sort of at that cashierless, you know, transaction, how does that happen? How do you have a store without, um, you know, actual like cashiers and checkout spots. Um, so what they've done is they've launched this facial recognition for payments within their head office, which is near Paris, um, where the staff can currently use it right now. So they're kind of playing with this and the store is called flash, which I think is pretty, pretty interesting considering it's facial recognition. And, um, obviously they want you to be able to check out in a flash. And so this is sort of their answer to the Amazon go era, right? Like how do they respond to this? Uh, um, as a more local or, you know, as a supermarket, not necessarily digitally driven. Mm -hmm. So there's still a payment terminal in the end where the customer would scan their face um, and then leaves, but they have these cameras all over the store. So they basically like see your every move. They see what you're putting in your basket, you know, and they can kind of calculate that what you put back, what you get, and then your face just checks out as you leave the store. Um, and they're testing this in collaboration with Tencent, which is interesting because if you don't know who Tencent is, um, big, huge, you know, giant in China. And they're also the company behind WeChat. So again, thinking about like the chat, the payments, like all of those things sort of going back to maybe like WhatsApp from a Facebook perspective. 
Um, so China is already using this technology, right? They're already using that type of technology. And so since they have that experience, they're kind of partnering with Carrefour and, and helping lend, lend that um, experience with the technology that's already going on in China. So I think this is interesting. You know, it's not anything like groundbreaking in terms of, you know, everybody's sort of testing it. It's not going live yet. Nobody's quite figured it out, uh, at least stateside um, or in Europe probably yet. But um, it's moving that way. And I think kind of trying to understand like what the customer is comfortable with and how they want to interact with their shopping experience is, uh, is important to know. And so, you know, where better to start than with your own, you know, employees. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and I think too, one of the things is, is that, you know, as we've learned with uh, sort of traditional store sensor technologies, whether that's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or things like that is, you know, having to, in order to get accurate counts of, of customers and things like that is being able to sort of remove the employees out of the equation. So being able to recognize who's an employee and who's a customer and all that sort of stuff. So I think playing around with, with your employees first to kind of work out the kinks is, is a good thing. Um, you know, and, and I think to, uh, to your point, I, I think the, the 10 cent WeChat piece of this, uh, and leveraging that experience is interesting. As we've talked about many times, China is well down the road of, of facial recognition, you know, in the public domain, um, and uses it on a number of levels, uh, you know, not it's just scary for, levels. <laughs> for business and, and, and retail, but, uh, you know, government applications and, and, you know, just identity in general. Uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's serving them well. And, and obviously, you know, in many other parts of the world, we have a lot of bigger issues and concerns with it. I, I know, for example, San Francisco just passed a, uh, uh, local legislation banning all facial recognition. So, um, so that, you know, th th there's the complete opposite, right? So, um, you know, so, so I, I think this is one of those things that when it comes to the privacy discussion and, and sort of how we navigate those waters uh, by jurisdiction, I think is really interesting too. Um, but I love that Carrefour is kind of, you know, trying to come up with their answer to Amazon Go. And, and I think there is a role to, to be had for, convenience uh in this sense so for for the customer in terms of i'm in i'm out i get what i need and i'm willing to give up you know my you know my facial recognition you know image or, or uh, you know whatever i need to in exchange for that and, and again i i think this is fine in my opinion i think people have choice as to whether they want to shop there or they don't want to shop there. there's lots of other places you can shop um you know and get the same product so um yeah, so, to so. me, the only thing about the facial recognition shopping piece is that it seems like there, if you have the ability to hone in on an image that is, you know, unique to a person, then it should be equal on the products, right? That's even easier because it's the same. The packaging doesn't change, you know. Um, whereas people have glasses sometimes, sometimes they don't, I wear my hair different, whatever. I know that's not part of your face, but you know, makeup, not wearing makeup, things like that. It just seems like you could really focus on the products that are with a specific person rather than identifying their face, just identify that as a grouping of products that that individual is buying. 
So it seems like there's easier ways to go about it and still maintain the anonymity of people, yeah. but. And, and yet, you, you know, like for example, like as a, you know, Apple uh, iPhone user, you know, I use facial recognition all the time, right? Like for opening apps, you know, authorizing app downloads, for paying for things, for logging into, you know, even my online. But that's a, that's a one-to-one type of relationship, yeah. Asif. You it know is, what I mean? It is, but it, but if you think about it in the context of, of WeChat and things like that, you know, in terms of how we facilitate the payment piece of this uh, in these stores, I think, you know, we're not that far from kind of taking what I just described there and, and moving into this. So I don't know. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking that that is a, even though my facial recognition is used to open and pay in many apps that I have with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Apple is not passing that facial recognition on to those apps. It is in essence just identifying me on that on Apple side, right? Yeah. So it's not like it's my face is being passed to you know Bank of America and I don't know every other app, right? So it's like you feel that I have that privacy and that respect from Apple, and they're not going to be sharing my my. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm Apple is a little bit more privacy your, your centric than some of the other here as well, right? I'm assuming they're not sharing exactly. That. So, so well, anyhow, so we'll we'll see, we'll see. Anyhow, check it out if you're in uh, in Paris. Uh, you know, go go to the Flash store, and uh, I, you know, while it's only for employees, you know, would love people's feedback. Or if you are an employee <laughs> at, at Flash, reach out to us. Tell us what you think. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's our three industry news stories for this week. We will shift over now to our member news. And um, I'll start off with a story about 7-Eleven. Uh, so they've teamed up with PepsiCo, Frito-Lay uh, around their Cheetos uh, brand in particular, launching an augmented reality experience. And so this is just kind of wrapped up now. It's called the Cheetos Find Four Experience. Uh, it's a memory game. Uh, if you ever played memory, like, you know, where you football the cards and try to find the ones that match and all that sort of stuff. Um, but basically, uh, seven rewards loyalty members uh, can match four of the same Cheetos cornmeal puffs. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so it uses the smartphone's rear facing camera. The experience superimposes 12 circular cards that briefly reveal a Cheetos puff before flipping over and shuffling in a user's environment. Then the user selects the four cards with the same Cheetos puff and you can win 47, 47 rewards points. Um, so this is about um, earning points. The, the, the prize is points in their loyalty program. Uh, it's a quick little game you play in, uh, in AR basically using the rear facing camera. And then after you play the game, you have the option of taking a selfie with Chester, um, who's the Cheetos brand mascot. And uh, this uses the front-facing camera now, uh, and the app then superimposes the mascot's glasses, ears, and mouth onto a real-time image of your face and, and head and snaps, and then you can share that um, on social media. So, um, you know, I love the loyalty aspect of this. I love that uh, they're not just, you know, hey, do this, and you have a chance to win a free bag of Cheetos. I like that you're actually getting points that you can – redeem in in the in the sort of general sense of their loyalty program for for whatever so you know the more you play obviously the more points you get and things like that so i like that aspect of it um yeah you know i'm, I'm kind of less enthusiastic about the uh the selfie sharing social media part of that 
Um, I don't know. It's not something I would do myself, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So, so this, this just wrapped up last week. Um, so if you had a chance to play with this, if you're a Seven Eleven and Cheetos fan, I'd love to hear more about it. What do you think, Gabriana? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little underwhelmed with it all. Um, I think that an AR experience from a brand perspective or like a consumer good perspective is a hard play, to be honest. Uh, unless maybe you're like a cosmetics brand or something like that where you're trying something on. But um, I actually feel like the the selfie that you can share via social is sort of a redeeming quality for the whole campaign. Yeah. Just because it's free content if people actually do it. Um, and I guess I, I would say that, you know, at least they are giving some type of like loyalty points and rewards. It's not just a stupid game that you play for nothing. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I think, I, like I said, I think the Hill AR experience is, is a hard play when you're talking about like a food or, a, you know, a beverage type of a play. It's just... It's a lot of it's a lot of work and investment for I'm not really sure what the payoff is in terms of like I don't know I just feel like when you're doing the we always talk about this like the there's a lot of companies that execute these campaigns there's not maybe an ROI that's really tied to it but um, yeah well it's, it's interesting because like the um, like the contest itself like when you submit these things like you're entered into this contest. Uh, as well, like the selfies and, and the images, that, you know, there's like some kind of uh, actual cash prize contest. Um, but the thing that I found interesting too with that is, is when you submit, it then comes up with like a buy now button and it like takes you to Amazon or Walmart or, you know, the Frito-Lay website and you can actually locate a nearby store and then, you know, find, find the product you want and buy it. So it's kind of weird. It is weird. And you know what else is interesting to me is that I always, you always hear about like, all of these beverages and foods doing these giveaways, right? Whether it's McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Cheetos, whatever it may be, right? They have these big contests and all these different prizes. If you have ever won any of these prizes or contests, please reach out to us. I want to know. I don't know anybody who's ever won any of these things. Do you? I don't. I don't. How come they always like promote the contest, but then they never say who won? Where's the winners? Yeah. Where's the winners? I want to see the winners. <laughs> oh, so, so. Anyways, all right. Um, our next story is, I think, one that makes sense. It's, it's pretty interesting. So there's this company called Kairos. And if you don't know who Kairos is, because I didn't, they are um, a provider search from a health care perspective and scheduling solutions. So they help health systems match patients with the right providers um, across their enterprise wide access points. So they serve more than 225,000 providers um, across leading health systems nationwide. Um, but they have partnered with Brandify, who I think we know, uh, I think the, the founder is Manish Patel, am I saying that yeah. right? Um, who was a founder of another company that I know we've talked about on here before um, as well. Uh, but anyways, they now, this partnership, they're going to allow health systems to expand their digital presence to ensure that consumers, let's say they're searching online and they want to find health systems near me, um, have access to accurate data wherever they search online. So this kind of, to me, sounds like a healthcare play for like Yext, right? So it's very specific. 
Um, and what they're doing is it's like this, they say location search affects at least two thirds of patients um, who are searching for a care provider. I mean, I think that obviously nobody wants to drive super far if they have somebody that's equally qualified and as good nearby. Um, so that being a big deciding factor, it's going to allow customers uh, their customers, which would be the healthcare facilities, to publish over 200 sites at once, right? So you've got like your Google listings, your Facebook, Apple, Bing, Yelp, all those different, you know, Foursquare, all those places that you need to list your business, your business hours, make sure they're correct. And so you just have this streamlined process where you can post to all 200 sites at one time. And um, and it's like, it just makes sense, right? So the it's called Kairos Provider Match Platform, which will facilitate the consistent patient experience online and across all their access points, um, and then it'll help the health systems turn initial interest into these booked and scheduled appointments um, through the direct scheduling application that they have. So this makes sense to me. I mean, there's not really a ton to say about it. I think it's a, a strong partnership, and um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I like this. I mean, I don't have a, a ton to add to it either. I think, you know, Brandify has been uh, one of the biggest players in uh, local search uh, optimization, directory listings, management, all that sort of stuff uh, for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly, you know, reputation wise, you know, it, it is probably, you know, one of the biggest providers in the space that we work with. And, um, you know, I, I think that, it's interesting like this partnership for me because I think the healthcare space is one that we don't often think about, especially, you know, from an LBMA perspective, you know, being much, much more uh, aligned to the retail, you know, brand marketing world, you know, we don't often think about hospitals and healthcare clinics and all of that. And yet, you know, in my, like on a personal note, like with my new startup, you know, on the cannabis side, like we're, you know, a lot of work with, with medical clinics, um, so this, like, this is something that, you know, really, uh, hits home with me right now because, you know, the, you know, any business, whether it's restaurants or, you know, healthcare uh, operations or, or whatever the case might be, needs to be found. And, um, you know, I think being able to, um, optimize that, uh, in terms of location data and manage the management of that data. Um, and the sort of constant update and upkeep of that data in terms of, of making sure it's accurate and fresh and current, uh, I think is really important. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, this sounds like a great partnership and, uh, you know, would love to learn more about it. And, um, you know, and, you know, you can't, you probably can't find a better player than, than Brandify to make something like this happen. So, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of see how this, this partnership plays out. All right. Final story. Uh, a quick one. Uh, so uh, we have a new member at the LBMA. You may have noticed if you've been following us on social media, they're a company called Promo Republic. Uh, and they are a business that's all about sort of management of social media um, and kind of uh, creating the content uh, and creating templates for that content and, and making it easy for businesses to generate and push out content. Um, and to do that uh, primarily for um, lo location-based sort of uh, multi-location brands, I should say. Um, so, um, you know, franchisees, restaurants, uh, retail chains, you know, things like that. And so they have this whole library that's sort of 
uh, content library. Um, it's AI enabled. It can recommend the content for you and all that sort of stuff. So these guys are uh, uh, one of our, well, they are our newest LVMA member company. Um, they're based in Finland um, and they have operations all over the place, but uh, uh, they also announced that as part of, uh, you know, um, their, their recent business uh, growth is that uh, they've raised 2 million euros um, and that's funding coming from uh, a group called Investor, uh, Housat Partners, another group called Dahl and a, and a group called Alphabet, um, along with some individual investors and, as well as government agencies uh, in the UK, Germany and Finland. Um, so, uh, you know, great company. If, uh, if you get a chance, check them out. They're called Promo Republic. And, um, you know, uh, I think the need for um, managing and, and sort of optimizing social media content is something that uh, a lot of a lot of our, our members uh, are looking for. And, uh, you know, I think this is probably a company that's, that's worth taking a look at. Yeah, I really like this. Um, you know, my husband used to do all of this content management. Um, years ago when he worked at a digital agency that handled social media um, as one of the many things that they did, but like content calendars and generating that is a lot of work. So anything that can streamline that process, especially from a multiple location standpoint, I think is amazing. And, and um, you know, whether it's an agency that's using this type of technology for their clients or an actual, you know, uh, retail brand that has several physical locations. Um, I think this is really smart because it just, it, the, the time and effort it takes into generating content and being able to like, I guess, seamlessly sort of post those things is, is really hard. And when it falls on like one person or, you know, even a department, it can be really challenging. So I think this makes sense. And they have found probably a niche in the market that I, um, I think is a little bit untapped. So. Yeah. And, uh, like just to wrap up the story, I was in, in the article I was reading, uh, TechCrunch apparently has covered these guys and, and they, they call it the Wix for social, uh, for small business, social presence. Yep. That, that, that's high praise. I think that is. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. All right. That's our show for this week. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories, a new member in there from Old Republic. And, uh, you've been listening to episode number 420 of this week in location-based marketing. Of course, we'll be back next week with yet another show. If you have feedback, if you have story ideas, if you have, uh, comments on anything, uh, please reach out to us. Um, you know, we're easily found on social media. If you're watching the video, contact information's at the end of the show. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, thank you for listening and watching and, uh, have a great week. Bye. Bye.